Yo, what's up, H12? Nah, I appreciate you, man. How you guys doing tonight? Dude, talk about a way to start out a night, man. And we wanted to do tonight just a little bit different. Tonight's going to be a little unique, as you'll see as the night goes on. Uh, we wanted there to be sort of a spiritual intensity about tonight, because here's the truth. Starting tomorrow, spring break happens. Yes. Yes. And we all need a break at times. We all need to do stuff. We just felt like, man, next week, next week we're not having H12 uh, because of spring break. And so we thought, man, tonight we just really wanted there to be an intense focus on this last night. Focus on God. Focus on Jesus. And we're going we're gonna to kind of go there. And, and I'm excited about it. And listen, I just want you guys to know that every single week I look forward to being in this room on Thursday night. Every single week I look forward to it. And the reason I look forward to it is because God is at work in this place. God is at work in the lives of people. Listen to the stories that are happening that these people are talking about even in baptisms tonight. God is at work in this place. He's at work in the hearts and lives of people. And this is what's cool. What's cool is, is that I believe that what is going to happen in this room through the lives of individual students like this right here, that a movement of God is going to happen in your schools, in your neighborhoods, on your teams, and, and all the relationships around you that is going to change everything around you for his glory and for his name's sake. And that's why we're here. Because we truly, deeply, wholeheartedly believe in the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that there is a God, that there is a God who loves us deeply, that he cares for us and wants a relationship with us intimately, and that he has shown himself all throughout creation, and we give him glory for who he is and for what he's done. And that's where we're going tonight. Now, as some of you noticed tonight when, uh, when, I, came, when, when I came in, you guys noticed a caterpillar on my lip. And it's sexy, I know. Uh, uh, in fact, my wife told me this morning before I left, she's like, uh, as soon as you get home tonight, uh, if you want to kiss me at all, uh, then you better shave that thing off, your face. So this is, this is temporary. I'm basking in the glory of the stash right now. And, uh, but there's a reason why I'm wearing it. Because you guys are going to be on spring break next week, but the week after that, the Thursday after that, we are starting a brand new series. It's going to be a two-week series, and it is going to be one of the coolest series that we've ever done. The first night is going to be called Ladies' Night. The second night is going to be called Man Night. Now, here's the deal. Now, here's the deal. That does not mean that if you are a man, you don't come on ladies' night. And that does not mean that if you are a lady, you don't come on man night. Because the discussion, the conversation on ladies' night is going to be about biblical womanhood. Womanhood. What does that look like? We're going to talk about, we're going to talk about what does it mean to be a woman of God. We're going to talk about guys and boys in that, and we're gonna and how that works in relationship, and we're gonna talk about you know some sex and other things like that. You know, we, I mean, it's gonna be an awesome night. We're gonna talk about that kind of stuff when it comes to biblical womanhood. Now, after the service, at the end of the the message time that night, uh, the guys are gonna break out, going to Cornerstone. The ladies are gonna stay in here, and there's gonna be a panel of ladies that are gonna be in here, and a panel of ladies in the room with guys, and you guys are gonna be able to text in questions, ask any question you want, any question, no, no questions off limits. And these ladies are going to be answering some of the questions that you have about, about what it means to be a woman of God, about what it means to live a life of purity, about what it means, any questions about dating or whatever. And the dudes can ask the ladies the same question. And the purpose of this is we want the men to know what kind of woman they need to be looking for. And we want the women to know what kind of woman that God wants you to be. 
And the second week, the same will go for the man night. Women, you need to know what kind of man you need to be looking for. And men, you need to know what kind of man that you need to be. What does a man of God look like? And we're going to look in the scripture and talk about that. And then we're going to have a male panel that night where the guys will be in here and the ladies will get to ask the male panel questions. And the same goes in the room with the guys. Now listen, each night is going to be unique. Night number one, ladies night, everything is going to be like for the ladies. So we're going to have like a chocolate fountain, you know. Like cake pops. There might be puppies. There might be puppies. There might be puppies. Um, and much, much more. You'll have to come here to check it out. Now, secondly, on man night. Man, man let me just get a grunt from you guys. Just give me a, oh, yeah. <coughs> yeah. On man night, we are going to have, we are going to have piles of beef jerky. Yeah. Chicken wings. Yeah, yeah. And many other things. Along with that, we're also going to, to ask you, if you can, as we realize some of you can't, grow a stash and wear your stash on that night. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Some of you guys, some of you guys are stash challenged. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you grow a stash, like, it's like, there's like a block right here, you know, like, Looks like that, like it's all patchy. That's fine. Now, we want the ladies to be able to participate in this as well. If you come and you do not have a stash, we're going to have stashes that you can put on the ladies' camera. We'll have a photo booth where you can take pictures with a stash on. You can draw stashes on, whatever you want to do. But that night's going to be man night. It's going to be awesome. That's the next series. So when you get back from the spring break, don't miss it. Now, listen. Now, listen. My, my team doesn't even know this, but I made this decision today. I have my sta the staff, they don't even know what I'm about to tell you. The week after man night, that night is going to be a killer night. Yes. <laughs> yes. I believe that night is going to be something called H12 uh, Got Talent. Yes. And it's going to be sick nasty. Now, I'm going to talk a little bit more about it at the end, but let me tell you what I'm going to do that night. I am ordering, not these because these are leaders, I am ordering H12 t-shirts for every person that's going to be here that night will get a free t-shirt. Free t-shirt on that night. If you invite a friend, your friends will get free t-shirts. We want you to rock our H12 shirt. We're going to make sure that the shirt looks sick so you'll want to wear it. Because if it's a corny shirt, you're not going to want to wear it. You know what I mean? All right. So that's what's coming up. Now let me tell you where we've been. We've been in this series called Sola. It's been on the five foundational truths of what we believe as Christians, what we believe to be true about God, what we believe to be true, kind of our doctrine, kind of who we are. The first week we talked about Sola Scriptura, which is Scripture alone, that we believe that Scripture is the highest authority. That we have other authorities in our lives, but when it comes to Scripture, Scripture is our highest authority, so everything else submits to the authority of Scripture. So if you hear something or there's a belief system that you start to believe, but it goes against or contradicts what the Bible says, God's word, his written word, as the Bible tells us that it is God-breathed, that God wrote the scripture through men, that in that situation, what you do is you submit to the authority of God, you submit to the word of God. Now, once you lay that foundation in, then you begin to study the Bible and you begin to read it. And there's other truths that rise to the surface, like in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8. Which it says that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus. 
And so we believe in the second one of the solas, that it is by grace alone. Grace is God's moving towards us. It is unmerited favor. You don't deserve salvation because of your sin, but God offers it to you as a free gift through his son, Jesus Christ. This is the good news, the gospel of a message of Christianity. This is what it is. This is what it's all about. That even when you care less about God, when you don't want any concern for him, you don't care about him, he offers you salvation as a free gift so you can engage that and that can change your life. And how do you engage that? Well, your response to him is the third sola, that it is by faith alone. And faith is our response to God. It is us saying, God, I I can't see you, like, but God, I know that I need to respond to you. I need to give my life for you. And I put my full belief, my full trust, and I surrender my life to you. That is faith. And what anchors us in our relationship with God is that it's by grace through faith in Christ. That it is by Jesus alone. That there's no other way to God other than Jesus. I talked about that last week in the clip that I showed you, the video I showed you last week of my teaching. In John chapter 14, verse 6, it says, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Nobody else has died for your sin. No other system of thought, no other thing is true. Only thing is true is what Christ has given us through his word, and it tells us and points us straight to what he has done on the cross. And so that brings us to the fifth sola that we're going to talk about tonight. It's soli deo gloria, for his glory alone. That everything in this world points back to the glory of God. That the reason that God created us was for his glory. That God wanted to create this world so that it would reflect his glory. And as a follower of Jesus, you reflect the glory of God. This is so central that everything that we do here in this high school ministry is meant to turn itself back and give glory and honor and praise to God. Like life groups, worship, prayer, every teaching, everything that we do is designed for that. Now what does glory mean? Well, glory comes from the Greek in the Bible, doxa, D-O-X-A. That word is this word that means weightiness. It it means this this spectacular, uh, majestic, uh, uh, honoring, uh, praiseworthy, uh, thankfulness um, posture that we give towards God. I mean, this is the greatest response that we can have to God, is to give him glory, to give back our thanks, to give him back who he is. Literally, glory means, glory means uh, that, that, it means fame, it means honor, that God is the famous one. Now, that's difficult for us in our society because everyone wants to be famous, right? Like, I want to be famous, shoot, come on, because when you're famous, you got money, you got Ferraris. I saw a Ferrari driving down the road yesterday, and I was like, jealous. <laughs> and we all want to be famous. We all want to receive honor. But here's the truth. The truth is, is that if you're someone who sings and you have this great talent, you're super gifted, and you're going to make it big one day. You're going to be on this big stage. You're going to be famous. You're going to be the, the next... <laughs> You know, Carrie Underwood or whoever it happens to be. You're going to be the next it, the next thing, the next person, the next one that is doing it out there. That you're going to be famous. Here's the truth about that situation. The truth about that situation is, is that the reason that you have the voice that you have is because God has given you that voice to begin with. 
And he has opened the doors for the opportunities for you to get to the places that you need to get to in order for you to be famous in the first place. Therefore, apart from God gifting you, then you do not have the gift to be famous to begin with. Therefore, who receives the glory for when you make it big and famous one day? God does. God does. Man, I remember when I was in, oh, I still am. But I remember when I was in high school, man, I was just a cocky punk. You know what I'm saying? I thought I was the man. Athlete. Scoring touchdowns, hitting home runs. Like, I I was just the man. I carried myself like I was the man. I thought I was the man. And here's the truth. We see people like that all the time in our schools, and maybe you are that guy too or that girl. The truth is, is that if you have the gift to play sports, the gift of anything, the gift to walk, the gift of taking the next breath that you breathe, it is because God in all of his sovereignty and power is allowing you and gifting you in the way that he has. Therefore, it is all to his glory. Everything points to him. He is the famous one. He is the one that is deserving of praise. That's the reason when you see people sometimes they score a touchdown, you see them point up to heaven or they they point up in the air. Why? Because they're trying to communicate, I don't want the attention. God did that. I want to give that back to God. God gave me this gift. When I was in when I was a youth pastor in my first church, I worked at a disabled camp uh, or uh, a special populations camp with people who had different disabilities, and uh, and most of them were physical disabilities. Um, you know, many of them were in wheelchairs, things like that. And um, and so what I would do is I would take top level athletes, high school athletes in my air in, in our area who were just struggling. Maybe they were like dealing drugs, and they were you know just being an idiot and doing all this kind of stuff. And so what I do is I'd go. Uh, yeah, that's right. If you're dealing drugs, you're an idiot. All right. So, and then, uh, just make that clear. So, uh, so I went, and I, and I would take this guy, and, and, and I would say, hey, dude, I want to take you somewhere. And so I would take him out to Camp Ann, to this camp. And you know what we would do? We'd play kickball with these kids with physical disabilities. And you would see a kid in a wheelchair and, and he would try to, he would try to, you know, we'd give him a stick or something, he'd hit the ball, and then he would use his wheelchair to go to the first base. Or someone who had a walker, or different things like that. And we would get done about three hours of this, just playing with these kids and doing all this kind of stuff with these kids. And we'd get in my car, and I'd say, and they'd close the door. And before I would crank my car up, I would always have my car facing out towards the field, and all the kids would be out there. And I said, you see those kids? Those kids would kill for half of the talent that you have. Half of the opportunity that you have. And you know what you're doing with it? You're throwing it away. And I don't know if you noticed this, but those kids out there, They're living life and they have joy. As you play with them, you see the joy. They have joy that you have never experienced in your life. You know what happened every time? That guy would be weeping in the seat beside me. 
you're right. Sometimes we need a perspective check. And the truth is, is that if you got breath in your lungs, glory to God in the highest. He deserves honor and praise. And I want to talk to you, and I want to hit this because I think this is so important. We give, we give glory to God. Our, our glory to God is our response to who he is and what he has done. That we give our minds attention to him and our hearts affection to him. And I want to talk about this a minute. Let me talk a little bit about our minds attention to God. The first thing I think that is important for us to get and one of the reasons why we give glory to God is because it is a response to our salvation that God has rescued us through his son Jesus Christ. And I want you to see how in scripture salvation, the reason for salvation is to bring glory to God because when someone gives their life to Christ, someone comes here and they they get baptized in the tub, all of it is, man, I never knew what it meant to have a relationship with Jesus, but now Jesus has changed my life. I have never been the same. God is so amazing. Thank you God so much that when someone gives their life to Christ, it brings glory to God because all of a sudden their life is stops looking inward towards themselves and it starts looking outwards towards him. And the honor goes to the right place. And the Bible tells us this. Let me just show you a couple passages. Psalm 79, 9. Look what it says. Help us, O God, of our salvation. Listen. For the glory of your name. Deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. Notice what he says. He doesn't say, forgive my sins for my sake because I need my sins forgiven. Forgive my, no, forgive my sins for your glory, for your name's sake. Then he goes on and says in Psalm 85, 9, Surely his salvation is at hand for those who fear him, that glory may dwell in the land. That when people give their life to Christ, when salvation comes to someone and they're living their life out, that God's glory is shown in the land. Let me put this in layman's terms. Let me put this in your terms. That when you give your life to Christ and salvation has come upon you, the land is the area that you, you hang in. And so inside of your school, God gets glory because what's happening in your life is affecting the people around you and is pointing back up to him. He goes on, he says this in 2 Corinthians 4.15. The Bible says this, for it is all for your sake. Notice who the attention is on. It's all for your sake, God, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. That as grace goes out, as as salvation comes to more and more people, thanksgiving rings out amongst the people. This is the truth. The truth is, is that every single one of us in the room are called to share our faith to share it with people around us, and it's contagious. It's not that we share our faith because we have to share our faith. It's that we do it because it just oozes out of us. It, it just splashes on the other people. We can't help it because our lives have been changed, and changed lives change lives. That just is, is how it works. And the truth is, is that some of you guys will be called into ministry, that God will actually put a personal call in your life like he has my life. That one day you'll be speaking in front of hundreds of students, telling them about the love of Christ, challenging them in their relationship with God. And you're like, dude, there's no way that would ever happen to me. You're smoking crack. That's what I said when I was a senior in high school. Look at me now. And it's for his glory. God chooses to take things and make it what he wants it so that he gets the glory. Sometimes God puts the odds against us so that we have the opportunity to exercise our faith. So at the end of it, we can't say, look what I did, but look what he did. 
When David goes and stands against Goliath, we know that some small boy cannot defeat a giant warrior who's been fighting his entire life. We know that. The odds are stacked against him. But he had faith. And what does David say? You come at me with spear, javelin, and sword. But I come at you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And today, you will fall on this battlefield and I will stand. Today, you will be defeated because God is with me. God gets the glory. God gets the glory. It's our mind's attention. What does it mean to give our mind's attention to God? What that means is is that we have a conscious awareness that throughout the day, throughout our lives, we are thinking about our relationship with God. We're thinking about what he's done for us in our lives. It reminds me of uh, a couple years ago, um, I was uh, at at, uh, uh, PCB. Who's going to PCB next week? Yeah, Uh, okay. All seven of you. Uh, I was at PCB for uh, 4th of July, and... uh, and so, of course, it's 4th of July, and there's fireworks. And I love fireworks because I'm a pyro, and I like to blow stuff up. Anybody with me on that? Yes. Yes. That's why we do not allow people to take stuff like that on, like, camps and stuff because we know we all like to blow stuff up, and things will just blow up. And uh, so, anyways, and so, uh, and so I'm a pyro. I like to blow stuff I like to shoot fireworks off and all this kind of stuff. And <clears throat> so we're out, on the, we're out on the beach just hanging out. And it was, like, my wife's family and her. And, and I mean, there's, like, hundreds of people on the be- beach. And there's no, I mean, dude, I don't see how, like, Many people don't die every year because there's like everybody shooting their own fireworks off and stuff just kind of flying everywhere and you're like dodging fireworks. I mean, it's pandemonium. And so we're out there on the beach and, and there's this little girl. She's probably, I don't know, I can't judge age of little babies because I'm, I'm new to this thing. But, but she was probably like three years old, you know, and she's like one of those like, hi, mommy, like little girl. You know, she's so, so cute. You just want to like just squeeze her, you know, until she pops. No, I'm just kidding. You don't want to do that. And... Uh, but she was the cutest little thing, and, um, and, and she was walking around, you know, and she waddling, hey, mommy, and, um, and she had these little pigtails, and, and, mo- and mom and dad had a fistful of sparklers. Fistful. So mom takes one of the sparklers and, and lights that thing up, and the little girl's eyes just get big, and mom hands that sparkler down, and she grabs the sparkler with her hand, and she's like, Dude, she is like the greatest experience of this little girl's life, no doubt. She's just going crazy. But after about 30 seconds, the sparkler burned out. And when the sparkler burned out, she's looking at it. And, and you can see, like, this face. I mean, she's about to explode. And, and mom and dad are like, you know, they're just kind of, and then they, they notice it. And they're like, oh. they pull out a note and they light it up. And they, and they, go, and they hand her the sparkle. And she takes it. And, 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 so, and so that sparkler burns out. When it burns out, she, and so mom grabs a note and she lights a note. And this process goes on. And I'm sitting here thinking in my head, dude, they are going to run out of sparklers. They got like a fistful, but there's an end in sight to this thing, you know. So I'm just watching this little spectacle right here. And, and as I'm watching the spectacle, it was like, it was like God just kind of gave me one of these little nudges. He says, Derek, you think it's silly that this little girl is excited about this little sparkler and then it burns out. And she waits for the next one. But how many people in life 
are metaphorically jumping from one sparkler to the next, trying to find their fulfillment, trying to find their happiness. I'm in a relationship with some guy, and then it fizzles out. And then we're devastated, and we're up saying, oh, God, why me? So we jump into another relationship. We light another sparkle. It's not just relationships we do it. Some of us are, are adrenaline junkies because we have to go to one fix to the next. Some of us party because it's about one party to the next, one sparkler to the next, one nudge to the next. It's about one more win, one more victory on the sports team. It's that you crave to get this fix in order to know that you matter in life because you find your contentment in all these things that are apart from God. And listen, we do it in our faith as well. How many Christians are walking around defeated? It's like you're living your life for God and everything is on fire and you're just moving ahead in your walk with God and then what happens? You go to spring break and you do something stupid. Listen. Truth. Every year, about 20% of students never come back after spring break. Now, I hesitate to tell you that. Because I don't want you to feel like you're defeated before you walk out the doors. But let me say this. That's going to change this year. Our leadership team, we met Sunday. We're praying that that's going to change this year. We're praying that God gets a hold of your heart and your life, that you don't fumble the ball over the next week doing something stupid because you're with a bunch of friends that you shouldn't be doing stuff with to begin with. And all you're doing is jumping from one sparkler to the next. And God's like, hey, listen, there's an eternal flame here. It's like the flame at the Olympics. Once it lights, it never goes out. That's what I want you to be a part of. So, I think in our life we get, we get excited about the temporary and God says, listen, there's something eternal that I want you to be satisfied in, that I want to offer you in your life. And how does that happen? Well, the Bible tells us over and over again the importance of what it means to remember. To remember. Even 12 Stone gets its name from this idea of remembrance. Joshua crosses over the, the Jordan River with, with the people of God, the Israelites, and what do they do? They set up 12 stones, one representing each one of the 12 tribes of Israel, so that, they, so that for generations to come, they will remember what God had done. All throughout Scripture, we see this idea of remembering, and this is what I want to tell you. I want to tell you that remembering is giving our minds attention to God. It is reminding ourselves, remembering when we gave our life to Christ. I go back to that day when I surrendered my life to Jesus all the time, almost weekly. I thank God for my salvation almost every day, and it's been since 1998. Why do I do that? Because I never want to forget what God took me out of and what he saved me from and where he has me now. And so this is what I want to do tonight. I want us to take a moment and experience a little bit what it means to give our minds attention to God. So here's the deal. About 98% of you in this room are 100% focused on what I'm talking about. And there's about 2% of you that are in la-la land right now. And if you're in la-la land right now, I want you just to pay attention for a minute. I want you to put your mind's attention on Jesus for the next 10 minutes. I don't care if you're sitting beside somebody that's going to distract you, you need to move, dude, just move. 
And if you're like, dude, this is weird, like this isn't my deal, whatever, listen, nobody's going to judge you, any of that kind of stuff, just, just, just be quiet and ignore it. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to have a time here in a minute of communion. The Lord's Supper. Some of you have done that before, some of you haven't done that before, and I want to talk to you a little bit about it, and we're going to participate in that together. And then I want to go to the next part of what we're going to talk about, and it's going to be really cool. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, it says this. For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. This mind's attention, that it is in the remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So the whole point of this that we're about to do is to remember what Christ has done for us. For whenever you eat the bread and drink the cup, whenever you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. Now I want you to notice what, he's, what it says here. It says this in verse 27. So then, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat the bread and drink of the cup. So this is what we're going to do here in a few minutes. We're going to take communion. And before we do that, I want to make sure that your hearts are ready in a pure place so that you can take communion. And so... She's going to pad up here for just a few minutes. And as she pads up here, I want you just to have a moment with God just there in your seat. Close your eyes. You can turn around in your seat and kneel before your seat. You can come up here to the front. If that's super weird for you, just, just like I said, close your eyes and ignore it. But respond to God. Get your heart pure before him. Ask him, say, God, is there any unconfessed sin in my life? Is there anything that I've been struggling with that I need to lay down at your feet? I need to ask for forgiveness tonight. And you need to know this about the forgiveness of God. That the Bible tells us in 1 John 1, 9, that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness, whatever it may be. It may be selfishness. It may be pride. It may be lust. It may be a myriad of things. But I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you. To examine your heart, examine yourself right now in this moment. So respond to God right now and I'll come back and we'll, we'll uh, continue on.
feel like it's pointless, that there's no way that you would care for them, love them, or forgive them. But they're wrong. They're the exact person that you want to be in this room tonight. They're the exact person that you want to change his life. So God, tonight I pray that you would move in our hearts, that our hearts would be postured towards you. So keep praying, keep seeking God, doing what you need to do. And some of our uh, leaders are going to be passing around a basket that's going to pass by you. Take one of the little cups out. And uh, you can go ahead once you take the cup out and take the little lid off and take the, uh, the little wafer that is inside of the cup out and just hold it in your hand. Don't eat it. Just hold it in your hand. And we'll wait until everyone in the room gets it and does that. And then we'll kind of move from there. And you just kind of keep in this, this moment of reverence, taking this, this moment seriously as we just remember and reflect what Christ has done for us. represented the body that was broken Jesus' body that was broken for us and in Psalm chapter 22 this is, mind you, this is hundreds of years before Christ ever came to the earth this is prophecy about what was going to happen to Jesus, I want you to notice this I am poured out like water I've given it my all and all my bones and joints are out of place my heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. Jesus' heart is broken. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd and my like a pot shard, and my heart and my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. We know that when Jesus was on the cross and they lifted up some vinegar mixed with wine up to his uh, for him for him to taste because of the dryness of his mouth being so dehydrated on the cross, he says, And you lay me in the dust of death. 
dogs surround me, a pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. Written hundreds of years before Jesus ever walked on the face of the earth. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and they cast lots for my garments. So in taking the bread, you remember how the body of Jesus was physically wounded and broken so that your spiritual body could be put back together. This is the gospel, that Jesus' body was broken so that we can have eternal wholeness. So, back to 1 Corinthians, he says this. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. Jesus is in the upper room having this last meal that he's going to have before he goes to the crucifixion with his disciples. And he breaks the bread. And he says this, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you're in this room, in just a moment of reverence, take and eat in the remembrance of him. Now you can take the little small cup of juice and open it up. represents the blood of Christ that was shed for us on the cross. Paul says it this way in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians 1, 7, it says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. The forgiveness comes because his blood was shed, that he died the death that we should have died, that Jesus died on the cross in our place for our sins so we no longer have to die the death that he died that though we die physically we can have eternal life live spiritually because we are body and soul forever our souls can live forever and eternity with him as we get new bodies and so he continues on in this passage in 1 Corinthians in the same way after supper he took the cup saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat the bread and drink of the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. So take the cup and do this in remembrance of him. by giving him, thanking him for what he's done and for who he is. And so, in this, Psalm 28, 7 would set as an example. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him. And he helps me. My heart leaps for joy. And with my song, I will praise him. Our heart's affection is, is our response for for his goodness and how good he is and how amazing he is. So this is how we're going to respond in this next moment. It's actually going to be two ways. It's going to be kind of cool. The first way is we're going to kind of do this sort of cosmic thank you. If you have one of the little bulletins or note guides that are on your chair or under your chair, and maybe you've been making paper airplanes out of it or whatever, you may want to unfold that paper airplane here for a minute. 
We left it blank tonight with no notes on it on purpose. Now, if you've been taking notes on it, you can still use it for what I'm about to tell you to do. You can do what I'm about to tell you in one of two ways. One, if you've got a smartphone or a phone, we don't encourage you to bring your phones in the service, whatever, but we're going to encourage you to do that right now. I'm going to ask you to pull out your phone. And if you've got an Instagram account, I want to ask you on a notes or something like that within your phone, iPhone, Android, or whatever, to write a thank you to God. And this isn't like a thank you like, hey, God, thank you for letting me be so awesome type of thing, right? This isn't a thank you about some of the things, that, but this is, this is thanking him for who he is. God, you are mighty. You are majestic. You are amazing. God, without you, I would have no life. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for rescuing me from that situation in my life. And we're going to have an Instagram feed. And I want to ask you guys to put the hashtag H12Sola. Hashtag H12Sola. And I want you to type that, screenshot it, Instagram it to hashtag H12Sola. If you don't have a phone or any that kind of stuff, you can write that thank you card on that piece of paper on your note guide or you can write it on the note guide take a picture of it with your phone and Instagram it that way hashtag H12Sola and through the last couple songs of the night we're going to have an Instagram feed going up where some of these messages are going to be splashing on the screen Uh, these messages are going to be rolling on the screen of us just sending our thank you out to God and what's cool about that too is that man we want to blow our Instagrams up with just letting people know man we want to proclaim the glory of God thanking him for who he is and what he's done in our lives and the second way we're going to respond is that like the psalmist says man we're going to leap and jump for joy in, in song and we're going to sing our praises to him so she's going to play for another minute or two to give you an opportunity to type something out we'll get the Instagram feed up and that kind of stuff keep this moment reverent focused on your relationship with God, your heart's, atten- your heart's affection, your mind's attention to Him. The band's going to come up. They're going to sing No One Higher. I can't think of a better song. No One Higher. There's no one higher than Him. And then uh, and then we're going to um, kind of go on with the night. So do the Instagram. Sing your heart out. And respond to Him.